Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today, all right? So just buckle up and be ready. We're, going to, we're just going to go, all right? So we're, we're, we're going to go. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to start reading verse 13. It says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. Now, let me just set the stage for you. Okay, because I, I, I know you, I know you're a super spiritual, like you know your Bible and you know all like all the miracles and all that stuff that happened and everything that's happened since then. Like I, I know, but, but just let me set this stage for just a moment because I want you to understand just how miraculous it was that the gospel ever made it out of the first century. Like it's insane that the gospel ever made it out of first century Judea, Jerusalem, like it never should have happened. And, and, and I, I know, like, just think what, think what you want about the church. So I just need to get your mind there with me for a second. They're in, Jesus is with his disciples. They're in Judea. This place was, it was a place that the Romans did not want to get stationed. Like, nobody wanted to be in Judea. Like, it was hot, and it was dusty, and it's in the middle of nowhere, and there's no, like, like there, there's nothing there. The, the, nobody wanted to be here. There's no, uh, there's no leverage for Jesus and his disciples. There's no way to get the message out. There's no mode of transportation outside of walking. Like, and it's just nobody wanted to be here. They're in the middle of nowhere. And Jesus, he has his guys, right? All 12 of them. All 12, like 12. Like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Like 12. Like that's it. 12 of them. Jesus has his guys, all 12 of them, and he looks at his disciples and he says this. He says this. By the way, I, don't try this at work. Like, don't say this tomorrow at work. You probably won't like the answer. Uh, he, he says this. He says, who do people say the Son of Man is? Or who do people say that I am? Like, Jesus is asking, like, what's the word on the street about me? Like, what are people saying? And the disciples, they reply. They says, well, some say you're John the Baptist, like, Maybe you, you've come back from the dead. I don't know. Maybe you're John the Baptist. Or others say Elijah. He's been dead for a long time. Maybe he's come back. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Verse 15, this is so funny. But, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Now, I, I don't mean to be sacrilegious, so just, just be Bear with me on this, okay? I know we're all mature believers. By the way, if you're not a believer today, we're so glad that you're here. You're either going to, by the end of it, you're either going to want to be a believer or you're never going to want to be one, okay? I'm going to push you to one of two extremes. I'm just kidding. It's going to be fine. Everybody just take a deep breath. All the church people just got real uncomfortable. Just, just listen. Just listen to me. Uh, who, who do you say that I am? Who cares who cares what people say about you? Like, we're nobodies, and we're in the middle of nowhere, and we're not going anywhere. We're Jews. And by the way, this is Roman territory. Oh, and don't forget, Jesus, there's one, two, three, four. Oh, yeah, there's 12 of us. Who cares what people say about you? This is amazing. This is amazing. Here's what Peter says. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, 
For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. In other words, you're not that smart, Peter. But it was revealed by my Father in heaven. Now get this. Get this. Remember, remember, there's 12 of them. They're in the middle of nowhere. And, 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 and Jesus says this, verse 18, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock. Now Catholics would say that the rock is Peter. Most of us Protestants would say that the rock is the statement that Jesus is about to make. It doesn't really matter. Here's what matters. This right here. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Come it. Come it. Come it. I know we get excited about that because we're church people and we like that. But just, just hold on. Hold on. One, two, three, four, five. You're going to do what? you you're going to do what? You're going to build what? Now, this, this word church, the, the word church is actually derived from a German word that, we, that was used in translations. But the original text says, it's Greek, and says the word ekklesia. He says, I'm going to build my ekklesia, which means it's literally translated as gathering or congregation. And Jesus says, this is huge. This is huge, everybody. He announces, I'm going to build a gathering. One, two, three, four. Okay, good start, Jesus. And, and check this out. He says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, which means death, will not stop it. My death won't stop it. Peter, your death won't stop it. Judas, your death is actually going to speed it up. Andrew, your death won't stop it. There's no, I'm going to build my church and there's nothing on the planet that will be able to stop it. Now I know you and I are like, let's go. I love that. But remember, there's 12 of them in the desert. Like, nothing's going to stop it. Nothing's going to try to stop it, Jesus. Like, nobody cares about us. But Jesus makes this declaration. Which, by the way, Jesus never predicted a place. He predicted a people. And he said he would build a gathering and people from all over would come, and it would be anchored around this idea that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And now 2,000 years later, and halfway across the world, we are still celebrating and worshiping together under one truth, and that is that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And why is that important? Because Jesus made a promise, and Jesus keeps his promises. In fact, you should write that down. That would be your one point for the day, all right? That's, that's the one point. Jesus made a promise, and Jesus keeps his promises. So then you know the rest of the story. He gets arrested, right? He is crucified. He rises again from the dead. We celebrated that a few weeks ago at Easter. And then here's where we, now, now this Fast forward a little bit. Jesus is about 40 days after his resurrection. He's hanging out uh, around town with, for about 40 more days, and, and he gets 120 of his followers together. Now, now there's 120 of them, and they come together, and they're on the side of this mountain, and I'm going to read you two different passages, one in Acts and one in Matthew. They're actually happening at the same time. They just give us a, a little bit different context in each one. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 7, Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Verse 8, but you will receive power. Somebody say power. power. 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now picture it, picture it. They've been through a lot. Jesus is a criminal. They're on the side of this mountain. If you're associated with Jesus, you're a criminal. And, 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 and there's, they're on the side of this mountain. Now, now here, here we go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Same, same situation, same moment. Then Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who can say that, by the way? Like, no, if anybody tries to tell you that, they're insane, unless it's true. And Jesus says, all authority I have, and, and here's, what I, here's what I want you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. Yes, you in the back. How are we going to get to all nations? Like, all nations? How, how are we going to do that? And he continues, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And this is so funny if you think about it. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then he left. You ever think about that? He's like, bow your head and close your eyes. And they open their eyes and he's gone. All right, now we go to Acts chapter 1. Come back to Acts chapter 1 because this is the end of that moment. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white and in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. In other words, don't get stuck looking up. You, you can't stay here. There's things you got to do. There's, there's more to the story. Don't stop here. Don't, don't get stuck looking up. We can't stay here. Because Jesus had told them, go back to Jerusalem and pray and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Somebody say, we can't stay here. Okay, so now we get to Acts chapter 2. It's Acts chapter 2. This is Pentecost. This is, uh, this is the moment that we've been waiting for. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them. Everybody say, all of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Verse 6, when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Verse 7, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And then there's the list of all the different people that were there. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. In verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? Now, 
when we get here to Pentecost and when we, we talk about Pentecost and when I, when I told you we were going to go to Pentecost, some of you got real nervous. And that's okay. Some of you got real excited. And that's okay too. Maybe because the, are, are there some uh, thoughts and images and things that come to mind when we hear the word Pentecost? Maybe you th- when it came to your mind was the word Pentecostal, uh, which, you know, I, I totally get. In fact, my background is Pentecostal. Um, I, I chased a girl uh, in school over to the Pentecostal church in town, and it was completely, it was unlike anything I had ever seen, I had ever heard. It worked out, though. I ended up marrying her, and, uh, and she, and still married to her, praise God, uh, to, to Kayla. And, I, you know, that's my background. So background, and I, I've had so many conversations. So many people can be like, "Oh, you went to one of those churches?" Like, and some of you got real worried when I start talking about Pentecost because you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is one of those churches." And don't worry, don't worry. We, we'll, the snakes will come out next week. Don't worry. We're just, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Relax. No, I, I grew up in this. I came up in this background, and I, I, I love it, and I'm appreciative of it. And I don't re- a single moment, I, I appreciate that expression when the Holy Spirit moves, and it's, a, it's incredible. And I, I appreciate all of, all of that. But I would remember being in those services, especially as you know, a younger man, and think, like, these are long. I'm talking long services. Like, I'm talking long services. Like, service is so long, you, you just be like, God, I'd rather go to hell than stay another minute in this like oh, I've been I've been in church all day I've been in church I went I got a, a sandwich for lunch and came back for church at night and I've been in church all day and, and and there'd be long long services and 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 I would wonder like is this the whole point of Pentecost is so that we could have like long services in fact I would I would wonder is the point of Pentecost just for the moments in here, in the church. And I'm wondering if the point of Pentecost and the point of God sending the Holy Spirit to be upon us wasn't just for us to be in here, but it was actually meant to get out there. The point of Pentecost was not so that we could have a powerful service, and I love it, and we're grateful for those experiences, but, but, but the point of Pentecost is so that we can have power to go out there. Somebody say, we can't stay here. We, we can't stay here. This is the point and the power of Pentecost. You need the Holy Spirit. If you've never heard that before, let me just tell you, you need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, he's not an it, he's not some force like in Star Wars. He he is a person, he is the person of the Holy Spirit, and you need the Holy Spirit in your life. You need him to be the mom that he's called you to be. You need the Holy Spirit to be the dad he's called you to be. You need him to be the leader he's called you to be. You need the Holy Spirit in every sphere of your life. Just so you know, the Holy Spirit didn't start moving in Acts chapter 2. No, he's always been moving. 
In fact, in Genesis chapter 1 at creation, it was the Holy Spirit that was moving over the waters of the deep. It's the Holy Spirit that was fell on kings and prophets and judges and, and uh, it fell on Mary who was hovering over the womb of Mary. The Bible says that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has always been moving. And the Holy Spirit is looking for people who are available and open and will say, I want you in my life. I need you in my life. I don't want to settle for status quo Christianity. No, I want more from you. I need the Holy Spirit. He's looking for a church that won't just settle for what was He's looking for a church that is ready to step into what he's doing in the earth now. He's looking for some people who would say, I, I, I want whatever, whatever you want for me, God, that's what I want. That, whatever you've got for me, that's what I want. You want me to go, I want to go. You, you know, however you want to get the gospel out, use me, God, just use me. That, that's, that's what God's looking for today. He's looking for some people who are open and available to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. In fact, would you just move your neighbor? Just shove them. Just give them a little shove. Just give them a little shove. Come on, get, get them moving a little bit. You know why I'm having you move your neighbor? Because your neighbor has a tendency to get stuck. We have a tendency to get stuck in patterns of religion. We have a tendency to get stuck in cycles of addiction. We have a tendency to get stuck in what used to be or what has always been. And God is looking for some people. I just wonder if there are any in the 11 o'clock service who would say, God, whatever you want to do, would you use me? Would you move in me? Would you pour your spirit out on my life? I need you at the dinner table. I need you in the, in the boardroom. I need you in the classroom. I need the Holy Spirit on my life every in every sphere of my life you need the holy you need the holy spirit so i say we can't stay here that's why the angels had to tell the disciples hey don't get stuck looking up we we can't stay here we got things to do god's god's on the move he's up to something you you can't stay here and you need the holy Spirit. Now notice what happened in Acts chapter 2. Because you know that the Old Testament and the New Testament are connected, right? So in the Old Testament, we see that, that, that God sends the law, or the Old Covenant, we call, he sends the law to Moses. And Moses goes up on the mountain, on Mount Sinai, and we, we see that God meets him there, and there's fire, and there's smoke, and, 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 a loud, and there's loud voice, loud noises, and, and that's when the law comes. But then at Pentecost, we see that there's fire, and we see that the Holy Spirit, it's like Jesus is saying, it's like he's saying, I'm going to reverse this. You're no longer under this old law, this old covenant. Now I'm sending my Holy Spirit to be on each and every single one of you. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit fell on kings and judges and special and prophets, and, and that's why actually Saul received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Saul, and the Holy Spirit left. Saul, and that's when David would write in the Psalms, he would say, don't let your spirit leave from me, right? So the Holy Spirit was, it was, it was almost like it was um, just for the special people that God wanted to move through, but now in the new covenant at Pentecost, God's saying, that's why I had you read it, it, it fell on every single one of them, because the revival that God wants to see happen in these last days, can I tell you, is not going to come from a preacher with a microphone and a podcast. 
trust is going to come through some people in the church who say, God, I want your Holy Spirit on my life in every area of my life. I want your power. I want you to use me. That's where God is moving. He's moving through you, through you. I need the same Holy Spirit. I need that fire on me at my job at Target than I do in the church on Sunday. I need the same Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit on me at the dinner table with my family than I do at the altar on a Sunday. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. Why? Why? What's the point of Pentecost? Is it so that I can have power? Yeah. Power to do what? So it says, to be a witness. This is the point of Pentecost. This is the point of God bringing the Holy Spirit, sending the Holy Spirit to fall on you and to me is to be a witness. How's your witness? How's your witness? Look at how different the disciples were before and after Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit came. You have Peter. Peter stands up at Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, he stands up to all these people. Remember, they're like in hiding. They're, they're convicts. Like they're, they're people who, who, who do, like they don't want, society does not want them around. The Jewish culture does not want them, and, and they're hiding. But Peter stands up in front of all these people and full of power from the Holy Spirit, he said, he starts preaching this three-point message, just three points, right? I'm gonna summarize his entire message for you. Here it is. He said, you killed Jesus, God raised him, now say you're sorry. And he stands up with power, like just in front of all these people and says, hey, you killed him, God raised him, now repent, say you're sorry. This is the same Peter who just a few weeks ago, middle school girl asked him, hey, do you know Jesus? And he's like, no, I don't know him. And this is the same Peter. But what's different? He's got the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He's ready to move in power because of the Holy Spirit on his life, meaning when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you can't be the same. You, you can't be the same. You can't be the same person you've always been. You can't be the same person you used to be. The Holy Spirit comes on you, and you're, you're different. How's your witness? Do people look at you and say, I want to be like her? And I'm not talking about the comparison stuff, like all the stuff that you have or the things you can do. I'm saying, is, does somebody look at you, does anybody look at you and say, there's just, there's something different about them. So is, anybody ever look at you and be like, your family, like, I want my family to be like that family. There's something different. This is the power of the Holy Spirit that it changes things. You're no longer the same. You, you can't stay in who you used to be or what you used to do. You can't stay here. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. How's your witness? What do people say about you? When your waiter takes too long to bring your food, how do you respond? Are you like, it's been an hour. Are you serious? What's going on? I ain't paying for this. Or are you like, hey, hey, could you, could you just take, hey, just one second, one second. I know you're busy. Yeah, I know you're busy. Um, you look, you look like you got a lot of tables. That's a stressful night. 
is there anything I could pray with you about? Yeah, just put the salsa down. So, let's sit right there. Just, is there anything I could, like, really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just look, you look, I know you're so stressful. I know you got all these tables. Is there something I could pray, pray with, like, right here? Yeah, I just want to, I just want to pray for you. Oh, and by the way, what's the biggest tip you ever got? What's the biggest tip? Like $50. I'm going to triple it. Because right, church people will pray. They won't tip. All the servers in the room is like, hallelujah. I feel the, feel the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit's on you, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're not the same. What's your witness look like? What? What do people say about you? How, how do you act? How, how you've been saved for 15 years and don't nobody at your job know you go to church? Come on, it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit on your life that makes the difference. It's the power that comes on you that makes the difference. Power to do what? To be cool in church? To be like, to be better than everyone? No, no, no. It's power to be a witness in the world around you. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. How much time? I got a few, few more minutes. I got, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Somebody say we can't stay here. Jesus, here, here, here's the whole point. This is the whole point. That Jesus said, and band, you, you guys can go ahead and come on up. Come on up because I need you for the rest of this to make it sound super spiritual. And... Uh, That's true. You know, in the Old Testament, the prophets would carry musicians with them so that they would play. It brought the presence of the Lord. It's true. Um, this is the point. The point of Pentecost, the point of God giving you the Holy Spirit is so that you can be a part of what he's been doing in the earth. It's so that you could be a part of the greatest movement that's ever been on the planet. It's what he said in Matthew when he said, I will build my church. You see, Jesus is inviting you and me into what he's doing on the earth today. And can I tell you that it is the greatest investment you can ever make with your life is to be a part of building the church of Jesus Christ in the earth today. It's the greatest thing you could do with your family is plant them in the church and be a part of what he's doing and what he's been doing from the beginning. Be a part of what he's been doing. Can I just tell you, can I just encourage you today that we're a part of the greatest institution that's ever been built? It's the only institution on the planet that God himself said, I will build, and there's nothing that's going to stop it. As we move into this next phase of our church, into this new facility, can I just tell you, we can't be the same. We can't be the same. We're a part of something too big. We're a part of something too special. Uh, we, we can't settle for status quo Christianity. No, we need some people who will say, God, I'm ready. I'm not, I'm not going to settle for what you have done because I know that you're capable and able to do immeasurably more than I could think or imagine. So, God, I want what's next for my life. I want what's more for my life. I want what's more for our church. I want what's more for our city. So, God, I need the Holy Spirit to empower me to go and be a part of what you're doing next in the earth. Can 
can I tell you, if you don't, I know because some of you are like, ah, I just don't, this can't be that big of a deal. Let me just let me just show you how powerful this thing called the church is. Let me just show you that Jesus makes a promise and Jesus keeps his promises. Because in Acts chapter 2, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, preaches that three-point message. And 3,000 people give their life to Jesus in that moment. And in Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 10 and 11, God, God gives Peter a vision to go to Cornelius, who's not a Jew. This will be the first. He sends, sends Peter to go preach to Cornelius, and, and, Peter, and Cornelius and his whole family get saved. Then in Acts chapter 15, the church gets together and they're like, hey, can this really happen? Even though God already did it, they get together and like, can, can this really happen? Then, then check this out. Just, just go with me on this. 42 AD, the year 42 AD, Mark goes to Egypt. In the year 52 AD, Thomas goes to India. In 112 AD, Pliny the Younger reports rapid growth of Christianity in modern-day Turkey. In the year 174, the first Christians are in, reported in Austria. In 197, Tertullian writes that Christianity had penetrated all ranks of society in North Africa. In the year 200, the first Christians are reported in Switzerland and Belgium. By the year 252, the first Christians are in rural Italy. Christianity is no longer exclusively for urban areas. In, in, in 350 AD, 53% of the Roman Empire, the ones who crucified Jesus, now profess Jesus as Christ and as Lord. To 378, Jerome writes this. He says, from India to Britain, all nations, sound familiar, resound from the death and resurrection of Christ. In the year 432, Patrick heads to Ireland to preach the gospel. We celebrate this every year by getting dressed up in green and getting smashed. I'm just kidding. We don't do that. The world does that. So the, he goes to Ireland. And, and then in 596, Gregory the Great sends Augustine to England for a mission, to be a missionary. In the year 635, the first Christian missionaries go to China. In the year 740, Irish monks reach Iceland. By the year 900, missionaries are in Norway. By the year 1200, the Bible's available in 22 different languages. By the year 1554, oh come on, are y'all getting this? That 1500 converts to Christianity are now in what is today known as Thailand. By the year 1743, David Brainer starts ministry to the North American Indians in 1960s and 70s. The Jesus movement sweeps across the country, and we see over 250,000 people give their lives to Jesus. And then in 2014, a young family moves back to Redlands and plants Citizens Church. And to this day, we've seen over 2,000 salvations and over 500 baptisms. Why? Because it's working. Jesus said, I will build my church, and it's working. He's doing it. He's building his church today, and he's inviting you and me to be a part of it. He said, nothing will stop, and I wish soon we'll be able to tell you just all the things that the, the devil's tried to throw into this move. Even this week, literally, getting a phone call at 10 o'clock last night of some God just moving and working. And we'll be able to tell you soon, but he keeps his promises. 
He said, I'm going to build it. And there ain't no devil in hell that can stop it. There's nothing that will stop the work of God in the earth. And he invites us to be a part of it. How? Nothing's going to stop it, but, but it's the Holy Spirit that fuels it. It's the Holy Spirit that fuels it. That's why you and I, we need the Holy Spirit. We need him in our life. We need him on our, say, Trey, don't I already have the Holy Spirit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've given your life to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. But all throughout the New Testament, we see that not only was he, he in us, but he would come upon us. And the Holy Spirit wants to come upon your life today. Why? To give you power. To be a super Christian? No. To be a witness. To be a part of building the greatest thing you could ever invest your life into. The church. The gathering of believers. So I want to invite you today. You say, Trey, what, what, what am I supposed to do? you could throw up Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those things I just read to you, these, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run, let us run let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We can't stay here. We got to throw off. There's going to be, that means you're going to be uncomfortable sometimes? Yeah. That means you're going to have to get uncomfortable sometimes. Does that mean I'm going to have to maybe rearrange my schedule sometimes? Yeah, it means you're going to have to rearrange your schedule because this is still the best thing you could be doing with your life is building the church. Does that mean I'm going to have to actually talk to people that, that don't know about Jesus? Yeah, you're going to actually talk to people at your job. You're going to let them know that you're a Christian. You're going to invite them to be a part of this thing that you're a part of, the greatest thing on the planet. Because Jesus said, I'll build my church, and I want to use you to do it. I want to use you. Me? Yeah, you. I try, you don't understand. You know, I, I don't, I'm not talented. I, don't, I can't get up on a stage. No, 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 it's not about, God wants to use you. He wants to use you in your school. He wants to use you at your, in your family. He wants to use you at your job. He wants to use you. He wants, you need the Holy Spirit on you everywhere you go to change your world. We'd later read the Gospels talking about the disciples that followed Jesus, that these are the ones who turned the world upside down. And God wants to use you to do the same thing. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Trey, I... I want to be a part of it. You see, what we sang earlier about making room, here, here's, the, here's the truth. It's not so much that you need more of the Holy Spirit. It's that the Holy Spirit needs more of you. And I wonder if there's some area of your life that you've never surrendered to him. 
wonder if there's something you've been holding on to. Can I tell you that the thing that you've been holding on to is likely the thing God wants to use? It's the thing he wants to use in you to make a difference in your world around you. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives change through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Gotta, gotta keep on.